Welcome to this roundup. For every nation, the economic and security consequences of poor health and disease onset are substantial and consequential. As a result, understanding root causes of diseases has become a fundamental necessity. Science believes that the expression of genes in humans can be influenced by the environment, including the external world in which humans live, as well as the internal world, which includes factors such as diet, nutrition, hormones, and metabolism. Therefore, understanding the interaction and correlation of the internal environmental factors, as well as external for human health, disease onset, healthcare industry, and nation's economy and security has become a fundamental necessity. To discuss gene environment and gene expression further, I'm delighted to welcome Ron Martin to Risk Roundup. Ron is the founder of Nutrigenetics Unlimited Inc. and is based in the United States. Welcome, Ron. We are honored to have you on Risk Roundup. Thank you very much, Dr. Pandya. It's a pleasure to be here today with you. Wonderful, Ron. So uh, let's talk about the gene environment and gene expression first. What role do you think environment plays in human disease causation? And why is understanding gene environment so important? When I first heard the term environment, I was thinking about things like pollution. However, my real interest was nutrition. And then later I discovered that a lot of people were talking about nutrition as just being another environmental factor. Now, some people might actually say it's a lifestyle factor, and that's true too. So a lot of times there's overlap between the different factors that come into play. I first started uh, pursuing nutrition, and I didn't really know if I was going to be able to expand what I'm seeing to things beyond nutrition because I didn't know how big an undertaking it would be. But we actually have been able to do that successfully, I think, and uh, we're eager to tell people about it, but also to capitalize on it because if we go forward and close our eyes to all the new information coming out, that is a risk in itself. Yes, that is very true. Now, I'm glad that you are able to uh, put together and connect all the dots and you are able to go on the path that you feel that will play an important role in the coming years. Now, when we talk about the environment, as we just uh, you know talked uh, briefly, uh, I, as I said in the introduction briefly, and uh, as you just mentioned about uh, the different uh, variables, that when we talk about the environment, it is both internal as well as external environment. Now, what what are different environmental variables we are looking at? You are looking at uh, nutrition, but what other variables, the healthcare industry or, you know, the genomic uh, data that uh, is uh, emerging, what are the healthcare professionals looking at that is important to understand? Traditionally, most of the people who have been involved with genetics have been interested in cancer, on oncology. And then, of course, there are other people who are concerned about the things like pesticides and environmental hazards that might you might uh, encounter in an occupational setting, whether it might be mercury exposure, organic solvents exposure, uh, or other things of that nature. Now, what's really interesting to me is that we didn't know uh, before how profound some people some people are very vulnerable to these kinds of insults, whether they be chemicals or whether they be toxic foods that we might be eating, or maybe too much of one particular food where you have an imbalance that's going on. So I think that there are a lot of uh, opportunities for, uh, for learning about all the different 
risks that are involved. And of course, like I said, the risk of not knowing is a big risk and we want to try to mitigate that risk. Yes, absolutely. And you made a very important point because sometimes sensitivity to environmental risk factors for any disease, uh, some they are uh, you know inherited rather than the disease itself being inherited. So that sensitivity point that you made, you know, it's very important because individuals with different genotypes are affected differently by exposure to the same environmental factors. I mean, in a, uh, two individuals with the same different genotypes, and if they are exposed to the same environment, as in what uh, outside external environment is, or you know what the uh, diet, nutrition, and all other uh, variables that you can control within the your environment, even if the, they all are the same, but still the onset of disease is different because of the different genotypes and their sensitivity. So how much understanding we have of these complex interactions? We've come a long way since the turn of this century. And in 2001, the Human Genome Project published its first draft of the human genome. And then a couple of years later, they published the final draft. The first draft cost our government approximately $3 billion to, to test a handful of people and then to try to get some kind of a, a map. However, you can now be tested for as little as $1,000, although some companies may charge a little extra because they add extra value. They can interpret it for you and make it easier for you. So I, uh, I've had some testing of that sort myself, and I could be happy to talk about that if you're interested. Yes, of course. Well. I know that uh, I mean, for uh, let's say you know, our global viewers and listeners are interested in going for that kind of testing. What would it involve? You just said that it costs about thousand dollars, but what would they come to know, and how would it be beneficial to you know them in the coming years as far as their health and disease onset goes? Currently, very few doctors, aside from oncologists, are actually utilizing genetic information. But I do feel optimistic that that's going to change before too long because there are a lot of opportunities that are being missed and there's also risks that are being ignored. For instance, if a doctor says to you, oh, I'm going to recommend a particular drug. If he doesn't know whether your genetics can tolerate that drug normally, it may be that you, uh, you need more of that drug or it may, it may be that you need less of that drug depending on your ability to uh, metabolize that drug and detoxify it. So there's a lot there. Now, I, I just want to preface what I'm going to say uh, by indicating that I have no ties to any genetic testing company whatsoever. So I'm not here to promote genetic testing per se. But obviously, if you want to know if if uh, your genes are involved in your health, it's it's helpful to know something about your genes. So the one of the uh, the first companies that that had a lot of publicity was 23andMe.com. Uh, and they came out about the same year that I actually started this company in 2007. And uh, they test about 1 million different gene variants for about $200 now. And I would say that that's a pretty good deal. Uh, it's a bargain in my opinion, because there is they allow you to download your test results onto your personal computer. And if you want, you can get an application for Firefox that will work through version 56, and it will actually highlight every code number for those gene variants that you see on the internet. Yes. And then for those that they have test results, you can hover your mouse over that highlighted number, 
and it will tell you what your test result is, which is really fabulous for um, evoking interest and relevance. Yes, because you get informed. You have the information that because you have certain genes or, you know, and uh, that you are likely, uh, you will have a percentage of, you know, uh, whether that disease will happen to you or not. Because a lot of, you know, people who have certain kind of gene, they come to know whether they will have celiac or they will have, you know, other kinds of uh, diseases in the there is a probability of that. They can't say for sure because it's not just the gene, but also the interaction to the environment and a lot of other factors, The how their body is susceptible and uh, what is the state of the nutrition and health in your body. So there are a lot of factors involved, but it gives you a guidelines that whether they should, you know, uh, be careful about uh, certain uh, lifestyle choices and uh, things like that. So obviously it is important to understand whether disease can be prevented by reducing exposure to this environmental risk. And if we have understanding of the genes and genome and genetic data, then it is very, very helpful. So as obtaining and decoding an individual's entirely, entire genome has become easy, just the way you explained. And it's, it has become rapid, very quick and very efficient and affordable. How sure. will understanding environmental role help personalize medicine? Are the doctors, uh, the medical community using this data to treat their patients on a day-to-day -day basis? What impact do you see because of this growing database of genetic information that is being uh, collected? Unfortunately, a lot of physicians are waiting for something else to happen before they start embracing genetics for optimizing health. And I think that one thing that needs to happen is the, the public to become more interested and engaged because there are a lot of research publications coming out, a couple thousand a week, uh, I'd say at least 200 a day that are about genetics and health. And a lot of your physicians can't keep up with that. In fact, they more or less uh, have to rely on their patients to do a lot of the homework because a physician can only spend minutes on any particular patient, whereas someone at home can spend as much time as they need if they're, if they're highly motivated. And that has been pointed out not only by me, but by other uh, opinion leaders in the areas of genetics. The things, uh, people like Eric Topol, medical doctor, very um, uh, well-known physician, who says that we really have to take responsibility for our own health and learn about it. And then we can actually communicate with our physicians. For instance, when I asked my personal physician if he was interested in all these factors, and he said, no, but it's the future. It's the future. And so eventually, I wanted to be tested for my entire genome, not just a million items, but almost three billion items. That would be um, what's practical to test by a certain company called Illumina. Mm -hmm. They can test 2.9 billion, which is 2,900 million. So that's 2,900 times as many um, gene variants as what 23 uh, ME tests. So that way, if you find a gap, if you're looking at an article and 23andMe doesn't have a, a result for you, you can refer to that other company and, and get the result there. So there are ways to do this. Uh, it's a little bit more expensive, but actually because uh, Illumina tests so many, the, the cost per million is only like $1 per million results compared to $200 for the 23andMe does. So I, I really think that, uh, uh, that getting the people involved is a good thing, but also making it accessible. For instance, there are so many articles, I was telling you that there's 
a couple hundred articles a day or maybe a couple of thousand a week. We've been adding to our database uh, at that pace of a thousand or 2,000 every week for the last 11 years. So we've accumulated 1.2 million articles on genetics and health. And uh, what you might say, well, how does that, how's that useful? Well, if you do a search on Google or do a search on the National Library of Medicine, which is pubmed.gov, P-U-B-M-E-D.gov, they can give you all kinds of results for your search, but they can't tell you how to go through that and categorize it and to look inside a big stack of articles. But we can do that, and I can explain more about that uh, as uh, later in, uh, today. Sure, no, that that is, that is good to know, and it's very important imp information. And it's also very interesting that at this point, doctors are not interested in knowing uh, the results of this genetic testing, but the consumers, the individuals who are getting tested, they are very very eager, and they are getting informed, and they want to take the control of uh, their health decisions you know themselves so that is a very interesting development happening but uh, i also see the need that doctors don't have the capacity or capability right now to go through all these you know information that is being available because the amount of information that is available today it's just impossible for individual doctors or clinics or hospitals to be able to uh, keep getting updated every single day. So with cognitive computing, we will be able to reach there. You know, of course, artificial intelligence and machine learning and all that will have to play a very important role to uh, inform or to keep uh, working side by side with doctors so that uh, they can uh, effectively contribute to the amount of information uh, that is available and educate doctors in real time what they need to know or what they need to understand about any individual patient's health. So that is still, you know, uh, in work in progress. And uh, that is the reason probably, you know, doctors don't have the capability because uh, how it is not humanly possible to go through that uh, huge database that is being developed. Now, over the years, Remarkable progress has been made in the identification and functional characterization of DNA sequence variants that has been associated with so many different human diseases because of all this testing that is going on. And now with the arrival of genome scale approaches for testing variant association to human diseases and their application to increasingly large sample sets, it has transformed our ability to identify others underlying rare and common diseases alike. So there is so much knowledge, so much data that is out there. Now, well, it has brought us the ability to identify these alleles underlying rare and common diseases. Do we currently have potential for how to manipulate the internal and external environment based on the information we have? Well, one of the, this is, Sorry, one of the disadvantages to being tested by like is that they are not allowed to give you advice about what to do to mitigate or alleviate your risks. Because if they did, they would fall into a different category as being a medical device and they would have to get the um, Food and Drug Administration approval for everything that they say. But in our particular case, what I'm trying to do is build this database online that's free for everyone on Saturdays and Sundays U.S. time. And it actually um, breaks it down so that you can see what's buried within a particular topic. For instance, if you say, I'm interested in prostate cancer, we have many thousands of articles. So let's say I say, okay, here is a list of 10,000 articles. You're welcome to browse through it if you wish. 
And that's what you're stuck with on Google or on PubMed.gov. But because we standardize all the terminology, we can actually tell you or any user that comes to our database what is being discussed within those 10,000 articles alphabetically. And not only for common things you would expect to find, like apples, bananas, and cherries, but also all the medical conditions, the A through Z, but also the genes and the gene mutations, whether they be rare mutations or common variants called polymorphisms. Uh, we can actually list them out alphabetically and tell you how many are in each category. And so then if you find a sub subcategory, a subtopic that has far fewer articles, it might still be too many. It might be 1,000 instead of 10,000. So you can take the first topic, perhaps uh, prostate cancer, and the second topic could be obesity. And then using that combination, you can take that 1,000 articles and break those out by subtopic. So by browsing through it alphabetically, you can find things you didn't even know were being discussed. That could be five, a handful of articles that could be highly relevant to a particular patient that would be almost impossible to notice in a stack of 10,000 if you're going to go through manually. So that's what we're doing, and it's, uh, it's really a discovery tool. And it's uh, very, very exciting to, to be involved with this because it's really transforming uh, our inability to go through this big stack into now an ability to look through it systematically and to manage that information. Yes, well, it's a very exciting time now. Um, there are a lot of technological advances that has given organizations like yours an ability to do what you are, you know, able to do currently. And um, there are a lot of other, you know, developments also happening on the side. But what adv technological advances you see or you feel are essential for the medical community to take the next step towards, you know, predictive medicine or you know, precision medicine? How how do you see what the, the, the challenges, uh, especially the technological advances uh, that are not there, what would need to be there to have all this collective ability of all these uh, data that uh, you are collecting and uh, other scientists are working on to be able to make some effective change? Well, in fact, there are quite a number of uh, what you call big data resources. Uh, databases that people can browse through, but usually they're limited to only bioinformaticists or other highly technical and trained people who know what to do with that information. But what I'm trying to do is make this information that I've described already uh, accessible to the entire spectrum of potential users, whether they be uh, researchers on one end or whether they be members of the public on the other end, and, the, and essentially and critically, the health professionals in the middle. Because the, the normal person is not able to decipher and handle all the intricacies and complexities of, of all of that are involved with genetics. They would like then to be referred to someone who says, I know about your condition and I know what's important to look for and we can talk about it. But right now there are very few people who identify themselves as being ready, willing and able to help in this way. And so I would love to collaborate with others who are want to provide training. And this kind of training can actually be done as part of a continuing education program for health professionals, whether they be physicians or whether they be dentists. And, uh, and I was looking at some of the literature for dentistry recently, and I was impressed that dentists have to deal with many, many intricacies for the immune system and also for bacteria. 
and even genetic variation within that bacteria that might make one a harmless bacteria and another one similar to it may be very harmful because it has a genetic mutation. So, so I think that even whether they be dentists or um, physicians or even chiropractors or certainly nutritionists like dietitians ought to be really into this. But because of the fact that they have been intimidated by this mountain of information and no way to go through it, uh, but now we're solving that. So it's, it's really, we're at the threshold of a new era. Yes, very, very exciting time. So do you see that the consumers will be using uh, the data that is available on uh, your site or what you are trying to develop? Do you think that the consumers will be more interested or you see that the healthcare community will be the primary beneficiary of this? Ultimately, the consumers can nudge the healthcare practitioners towards, uh, towards becoming fluent in this information. Because if the um, public says, asks their healthcare practitioners about their knowledge, if they say, I, I don't know anything about it, they might say, can you refer me to someone who does? And then once the demand occurs, then the supply will also follow. So, uh, but what we try to do on our homepage at nutrigenetics.net is we have three red buttons that identify the three major elements of that continuum that I spoke about the researchers, and we show, if someone clicks on that, they can see some interesting articles relevant to that audience. But for the public, we pick uh, topics that, that would provoke some interest, even things like how marijuana might affect some people differently than others, or sports, how that can be a, uh, a factor not only for sports performance, but also for sports injuries. There's a lot of interesting things there. Or how about social environment as, as a, another environmental factor beyond nutrition, uh, such as bullying in schools or depression that results from adverse uh, in living conditions. All of these factors come into play. And we so we indicate articles, list them there, that can be just clicked on. And then when the public says, wow, I'm very impressed, I didn't know that there was so much exciting information that was coming out. How can I capitalize on this? Who can I talk to who can help me? Well, right now, there aren't very many people who say, I'm ready, willing, and able to help you. But we want to change that. And little by little, uh, even discussing it like we are today is helpful in moving forward in that, in that way and opening up avenues, opening up dialogue and discussion and uh, making people become interested. Yes. Because... First, they have to become interested, and then they can develop skill. And once they develop sufficient skill, they can then develop their passion. Yes. So it took me years of experimenting, exploring, and becoming excited before I said, this is what I want to do. I want to I make all this information more, much more readily available to anyone who's interested. Yes, very true. Now, that is an uh, excellent first step, and that is what we need. And I mean, think about the potential that all that kind of bullying data or social isolation or any of these uh, variables that plays a role in human health, if all that data is in one place, it is very you know effective for consumers as well as healthcare professionals uh, to be able to make sense of uh, uh, all the data and to be able to take control of their health. So what is the vision of your organization, Nutrigenetics? Where do you want to go ultimately? What would you like to achieve with all the steps that you are taking? The real goal is to provide the toolbox so that it can be used by both members of the public and the professionals 
so that they can actually dialogue together. In fact, I would say that there's a, there's a, a multi-step approach that makes a lot of sense to me. Number one, if the healthcare practitioner says, well, there's many, many, many different health conditions that, that uh, could be discussed, but I'm gonna, only, I'm gonna start with just a small number, maybe even just one. And if they say, okay, here's one topic, I'm gonna research it, and they can use databases like mine, or like the other databases that are commonly used by ref for reference material, and they can develop some expertise and some opinions about what's important. Once they have a checklist, they can actually ask their patients or clients to go through that checklist and, and we can figure out where they stand with each one of those things. Could be a genetic variance, but it could also be lifestyle variants. I mean, they, but lifestyle, for instance, they may be smokers, they may be drug users, they may be alcoholics, or they may have uh, comorbidities. They may have diabetes, they may have a combination of diabetes and cardiovascular disease. All these things can make a, a difference in the recommendations. So then uh, once the status is determined, then the physician can actually discuss all these variables and how uh, variables might be changed or let's say change. For instance, if they are obese, they might, they might be able to uh, have a goal of losing weight to try to control their condition. Or if they're sedentary, they might want to get more active, but join a gym or whatever it takes to, to uh, benefit from an active lifestyle. That can also be a variable that comes into play. So then, but the idea here is that uh, some people assume that our genetics control our future, but not necessarily. For instance, if you have a pair of identical twins that are separated at birth, and if they have totally different environments, they can actually develop different uh, health conditions and different, maybe even different appearances to some degree based on what they've encountered in their, in their environment. So that's just one example of, of how the uh, how you can play your cards. For instance, a, a card game. Uh, some people say, "Well, uh, I can win. I can win this card game only if I'm given a good cards." But actually, someone can win a card game even with bad cards if they play their cards correctly. If they have knowledge enough to play them correctly, they can still win the game in spite of that. So that's the analogy that that I think resonates well with me. That we don't we're not really victims. We can actually take charge. So that's why I say, uh, some people say, no, don't tell me what's in my future. I don't want to know. But in fact, if you know the danger, you can actually avoid the danger by turning the wheel on your car around the obstacle in the road instead of just plowing right into it. Yes, very true. That's an excellent analogy because if we know what risk uh, we are facing and what different options we have, how to manage those risks, then uh, we can control any environment, we can control any disease and we can prevent disease. And if we cannot prevent for some reason, then we can effectively manage it in a better way. So it's an excellent approach, an excellent uh, way of living life and uh, uh, having a choice to make that we all have a choice to make and we all can control our destiny. So what would you like to tell our global viewers and listeners about uh, your organization's efforts in helping make sense of this complex uh, geno genomic data and role nutrition plays in disease causation and how would you like our global viewers and listeners 
to take active role in uh, uh, play in helping you build this or to take an active role in managing the diseases within the you know control or you know how can they our global viewers are from uh, all nations every nation so what can they do individually and collectively uh, i would like uh, I'm sorry, but I would like to preface what I'm going to say by saying that everyone wants to know, so what should I do if I have a disadvantageous genetic profile? And that's really what our database is capable of revealing, but we can't lay it out on a person-by-person -person basis. They need to work with someone to try to discuss it and then come up with what I would call evidence-based decisions or recommendations. And sometimes we, we have to go forward with imperfect information until, until more pieces of the puzzle come in later on. It's kind of like a jigsaw puzzle. You might have uh, many pieces. If you only have a few pieces, the puzzle is easy to put together. And you can see the picture that is on this puzzle. But if you have a million pieces, then it's very difficult to put the pieces. And we have to kind of guess because there are gaps in the picture. We have to guess, is, is it a chicken or is it a duck? Or is it a goose? Or is it a swan? As more and more pieces come into place, we get a better and better, more accurate picture and a more beautiful picture. Yes. Well, this is really part of the process. And we need the public to become engaged in that jigsaw puzzle, putting the pieces together. Because they might uh, start the outline and the physician might say, hey, I think I have an idea. This could be something that I'm familiar with. And maybe we can identify how to help you better instead of just guessing totally. So often in the past, they would say, take this drug and we'll see what happens. But sometimes toxicities occur or sometimes it's a waste of time. But if they know more details, they might be able to predict whether the toxicities will occur. And if so, they can avoid it or change the, the, the potency, et cetera. So uh, another thing I wanna say is that this kind of information, some people say, well, that's way over my head. It's way beyond me. But in fact, we need to start teaching even our high school students about this. Now, you might say, well, the high school students, they're not going to understand all the science. Well, they don't need to understand all the science. But what they need to know is that this is a very exciting opportunity. They might want to make that their career choice going forward so they can pursue the education that will lead them in down this road. And also, uh, a lot of students are, are not excited about the, the traditional occupations. But in fact, if they see that genetics can come into play uh, in combination with other occupations like dentistry and genetics or medicine and genetics or pharmacy and genetics or sports and genetics and how to optimize their own health or the health of those that, that they're assisting, whether it be as a healthcare practitioner or whatever. So I would say that exploring, as I mentioned earlier, just developing an interest is the first step. And you might say, well, it's a, such a long journey, so far to go between where I am and where I'd like to be. It's almost discouraging, but a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And if you become really interested, like, wow, this is fantastic, then the steps you take down that road will not be laborious. They will not be tedious. They will be exciting. And it's almost like a hobby. In fact, I was pursuing it like a hobby myself. And that's, that's why I'm so passionate about it now. It's just that it's really, really fantastically up an opportunity for everybody.
Yes, so, really that's an excellent advice that you gave to all of our global viewers and listeners. So thank you so much, Ron, for participating in this roundup today. We appreciate your thoughtful insight on gene environment and gene expression. And our global viewers and listeners would benefit tremendously from the information you provided, uh, including all the amazing uh, you know, advice that you gave for, on the approach to life and how to develop that passion and the co understand the complex challenges facing the uh, genome interpretation for disease diagnosis with reference to environmental variables. So even if a single individual across nations can come up with an idea to advance what you have developed and you know to take it from there uh, and uh, based on the understanding they received from the discussion we had today this discount of dialogue has been of service and we thank you for that it is my pleasure thank you very much for the opportunity to talk with you today wonderful ron so understanding of the internal as well as external environmental factors plays a very important role for gene expression human disease causation healthcare as well as nation's economy and security so risk groups cyber security geo security and space security risk research centers are created for this very reason to identify evaluate and help manage the risk facing ngio and cgs that means nations its government industries organizations and academia in cyberspace geospace and space we at risk group believe that risk management security and peace they walk together hand in hand though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict it is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two all three concepts feed into each other we believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secured for everyone across nations tradition becomes our security so if we build a culture of managing risk effectively it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace let's manage the existing and emerging risks together for more information on the risk roundups to watch the risk roundup videos or hear the risk roundup podcast please go to riskgroupllc.com and do not forget to subscribe and share until next time i'm jayashree host of risk roundups signing off see you next time thank you